Let me take just a minute to recap the series so far called Root to Fruit. And I'm going to recap it very simply. And it's this. Jesus Christ died on the cross, was resurrected from that grave, and earned for us the freedom from the power, the penalty, and the punishment of sin. But that freedom, just like the gospel, has a negative and a positive. So the negative is he freed us from the power and the penalty of sin. But there's a positive to that freedom as well. And the positive is this. He freed us for a life of love. He freed us from a, the penalty of sin and the power of sin. He freed us for a life of freedom to be able to love the way Jesus loves. Now that is so powerful if you really meditate on that. Because what I just said and what we've been saying in this sermon series is this. You have the power, Christian brother and sister, only you. Nobody from the world has this. You have the power to say no to sin. And you are free from the penalty of sin. No non-believer can ever truly say that. And not only that, you have the power to love and to live the way that Jesus wants us to. And the way that you have that power, the way that I have that power, is that the Spirit of God lives inside of us to help us do what God wants us to do. He dwells in us. We are the temple of God. And His power is changing our minds. His power is changing our hearts. His power is changing our affections, those desires, so that we want what God wants and we hate what God hates. And when we come into that collision, which we all do every day, multiple times a day, when we come into that collision with sin, with the desires of our flesh, remember that flesh is the leftover remnants that does not want what God wants, that rebels against God. It's not not your flesh organically, it's your flesh spiritually. And when those desires of the flesh rage war and wage war, the Spirit of God steps in. And His power is exerted as we walk with Him, as we surrender to Him. And He battles the desires of the flesh. And as we surrender to Him, He keeps those desires from going all the way and giving birth to sin. That's the entire verse 16 of Galatians 5. And it begins to cult, cultivate in us the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit singular. It's all added up into the word love, but it displays itself in nine different ways here, many other ways in the rest of the scripture. But Paul gives us nine that actually are custom fitted for the churches in Galatia. And the seventh one is the one that we're looking at today, and it's called faithfulness. Let me just ask you a question. Have you ever heard of the phrase called planned obsolescence? Planned obsolescence. Well, I can kind of maybe prick your interest and raise your interest a little bit by just asking you a question. Doesn't it seem like so many products nowadays are designed to fail? They're designed to break. Well, planned obsolescence is the research that's been done to show that there are many products that are indeed designed to fail, to generate repurchase. 
Did you know that one of Thomas Edison's earliest light bulbs 125 years ago is still glowing? How many of your light bulbs in your house are still going after 10 years? Did you notice that almost every cell phone now has built-in batteries that you cannot replace easily? Not unless you break your warranty. Cell phones, usually the batteries last two to three years. Do you think that's by accident? It's like a big conspiracy theory message. That was a joke. Please wake up a little bit. <laughs> Clothing that doesn't hold together like it used to. Ink cartridges with microchips. Light sensors that disable printing before the ink is used up. Reliability and dependability are coveted commodities. This is why Consumer Reports is so popular. It helps you find out which products are reliable, which ones are dependable. So I want you to take those two words, reliability, dependability, and I want you to do what I'm going to be doing this entire message. We're going to fuse them together into the word faithfulness. And we're going to look at what faithfulness is. We're going to see how Jesus exemplified it. And then we're going to look at what faithfulness can look like in our lives. So let's get right to it. I'm going to define for you, point number one, what faithfulness is. Galatians 5.22, can you turn to there with me? Let's read it. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. We've got two more. Gentleness, self-control, nine characteristics that all sit in the bowl of fruit that Paul gives us in this list. And by the way, you can divide these nine very easily into three groups of three each. The first group being the virtues that the Spirit of God produces in us. They shape our hearts towards God. They're vertical. The second three are those that shape the way that we live with other people. The final group of which faithfulness begins today. We're going to look at the next two weeks, Lord willing, the final two. Those, that final group, it shapes the way that we live within our own hearts. So we've got faithfulness, and it leads this final group. And by the way, it's very, let me just say, it's slightly tricky to define this. Well, for one main reason, it's used in more than one way. This Greek word for faithfulness, it's used in more than one way in the New Testament. In fact, Paul uses it 20 times in the book of Galatians in a different way. He uses it there to define our objective faith, our body of belief that we entrust ourselves to. But he's going to use it a little differently in this verse and... Well, it kind of reminds me, years ago, we had somebody that was uh, learning to preach, and I was mentoring them, and their habit was to look up Strong's Greek and Hebrew concordances, the dictionaries, and, and usually Strong's will list you know, several different possible meanings for a Greek word or a Hebrew word. Remember, the Old Testament's translated mainly from the Hebrew, and the New Testament mostly from the Greek, a little bit of the Aramaic. So we've got, you know, Strong's that helps us out a lot, but this person, when they would preach, would take the entire list of all of Strong's definitions, and, they would, and that person would give them to the people that he was preaching to. Well, that's not really the, the best way to do that, because not every one of those possible definitions are the right definitions. Not for that particular verse. So it's not quite that easy just to take the, uh, the Greek-Hebrew 
dictionary and give you the definition. You've got to do a little bit more detective work than that. Have you ever heard of homonyms? You've heard of antonyms and synonyms. Homonyms are words that sound alike. They're spelled the same way, but they've got different meanings. I'll give you three examples. You've got the word crane, which can be a, a large construction equipment. It could be the way that your neck moves in order to see something behind you. You crane your neck. It could be a bird. How about the word date? It could be a piece of fruit. It could be a calendar event. For some of us, it might be a romantic evening with someone you love. Some of you are we're praying for you. The word type. The word type is something you do with a keyboard or it's the label that your blood gets when you donate your blood. So what determines... The correct meaning is context. It's how you determine what are homonyms, which one you want to use. Well, faithfulness, then, it's translated as faith. 20 times I told you in the book of Galatians alone. And again, by that definition, it means something or the act of believing in someone or something. But almost everybody agrees that when you list it in the group with kindness and goodness... It warrants a second meaning, and it's faithfulness. So let's get right to it. What is faithfulness? The focus of the word is on firmness, steadiness, and certainty. Now, those are all synonyms. They all kind of are shades of the same meaning. It's, by the way, it's the same root word as the word amen, which means faithful. So if you are accustomed to saying amen at the end of your prayer... You're really saying to God, I trust this is firm what I've prayed. I trust it is firm who you are. It is certain. It is truthful. So faithfulness, now remember, time out for a second. Let me just really give you a little bit of a heads up on this message. Really, the entire message, what I want you to do, what I've been doing all week with this, is I want you to self-critique. Does faithfulness describe you? Now, I can't do that for you. You have to do that in the company of the Lord. Your spouse can do that a little bit. Your parent can do that a little bit. You can do that a little bit for your parent, for your best friend. But really, the Lord needs to be the one that answers that. So you really got to deliberate this with the Lord. So here's how you listen to preaching. Right now, what you ought to be doing is going, Lord, I'm hearing your word. I need your word to open up my heart. Hebrews 4, like that scalpel, divide my thoughts and attitudes. Show me who I am. Give me the courage to admit when I need correction. And give me the humility to say that when I am living this way, it's all because of what you've been doing in my life. So you've got to participate in gospel preaching. So right now, what I'm asking you to do, while I am hopefully being faithful to preach this correctly, you've got to be faithful to receive it correctly. So get pride out. I don't need this. Boy, I hope that person's listening. Get that out of your, your system. Don't sharpen your elbows. Tuck them into your sides. Don't jab somebody that you think needs to hear this. Jab yourself. This is for you. This is for me. Are you faithful is the fruit of faithfulness being displayed in your life? Now, don't answer that yet because you really haven't heard it defined. Not fully. We're going to do that. Here we go. Let's self-critique. Faithfulness is the character of one that you can always rely on. Are you that person? 
on whose word or the faithful person, it, their, the word, their word, what they say is firm and trustworthy. By the way, it is rare. Faithfulness is rare in this world. This is Solomon complaining about that very fact. Many, a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. He didn't see very many, very many faithful people. And if Solomon was critiquing himself, he didn't see himself as a faithful person. Kind of hard to do with 300 wives and 600 concubines. His father David complained similarly that he lived in a world that had too few truly honest people. He wrote this, Psalm 12, Save, O Lord, for the godly one is gone. For the faithful have vanished from among the children of men. Here's what it looks like. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips. In a double heart they speak. I'll give you one quick flyby on what a double heart speaks like. You know, I'm going to pray for you this week. And you never remember to pray. That's a double heart. So where are all the faithful, reliable, dependable, true-to-their-word people? Well, we're going to begin by looking at the most faithful person ever to live, Jesus Christ. Point number two, the example of Jesus. Friends, where would we be if God was not a faithful God? Lamentations 3, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Here it is. Great is your faithfulness. So what does a faithful person look like? Listen, if you want to be striked or struck rather by faithfulness, if you want people to see you as a faithful person, you're continually merciful even when a person fails repeatedly. You withhold judgment and when you do judge, you immediately repent and you go and you restore. But nowhere is faithfulness displayed more perfectly than God's faithfulness displayed more perfectly than in his son, Jesus Christ. Which is why Hebrews 3.6 says Christ is faithful over all God's house as a son. He's entirely faithful over all of his people, every one of his Christians, every one of his children. And if you recall in this series, if you've been listening to it, if you've been here, well, the character of Jesus is what the Spirit of God is cultivating, Christian, in you. It's what he's cultivating in me. He's transforming us to be like Jesus. So to really understand faithfulness, I'm going to take you to a little bit different level. I've already told you it's reliability, dependability, certainty, true to your word. I'm going to get down a little theological now. It's going to be very simple. It's going to be extremely displayed in Christ. If you really want to understand faithfulness, then you need to see it as truly, utterly faithful, consistent to God's word. And it's here that Jesus shines perfectly. 2 Corinthians says, for all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. So Jesus was faithful. What was he faithful to do? Listen, he was faithful to fulfill all the promises that God, that, that God made to any of his people. 
all those centuries where God would make a promise to Israel. And then he makes promises to the church. God, Jesus, is faithful to fulfill all the promises of God to his people. You know, in October 1940, some of you might remember this, presidential candidate Franklin Roosevelt promised America, and I'm going to quote him, he said, I have said this before, but I shall say it again and again. Your boys are not going to be sent into any foreign wars. And it wasn't long before World War II. And then you get October 1964, and you've got the then-candidate Lyndon Johnson who promised we're not about to send American boys nine or 10,000 miles away from home to do what Asian boys ought to be doing for themselves. And then came the Vietnam War. And I could keep going because virtually every president, when they're candidating, every one of them makes promises that they find out pretty quickly they're either not able to fulfill or they truly never had the interest in fulfilling. Read my lips, no new taxes. But think on this, and I really want you to think on this. This is absolutely spectacularly awesome. And you've got to pound this into your faith like an anchor for a tent. God has never, ever, not even once, made a promise that he has not perfectly kept. Never. In fact, Psalm 145 exalts the Lord in this. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. So now we see a double layer of faithfulness. Listen, you want to evaluate yourself. If I want to evaluate myself, am I full of faithfulness? Well, am I faithful to do all that I say and is all that I do kind? Well, that's faithfulness. You see, the entire Bible is a story of God's faithfulness from Genesis to Revelation. Yeah, and I, want, I really want to, oh man, if I could just sit down with every one of you and have an hour to share my heart, I'm going to tell you what's probably going to make up most of that hour. It's about what I'm going to tell you. It's the very belief that all God's words are true and certain and kind, that is being fiercely attacked in our age. It's called the Word of God. And it's called the infallibility of the Word of God. And our denomination, the Evangelical Free Church of America, holds to the infallibility of God's Word. And what that means is it teaches that all of God's Word is true, it is trustworthy, it is reliable. Yet studies today show that the majority of Christians, 28% of the Christians only believe in the infallibility of the Word of God. All the rest of them are letting go of that. And you get that increased statistic as you trend younger. So if you're under 30 right now, you are under particular attack by the enemy. And where he is attacking, he's trying to eradicate and undermine your confidence in the Word of God. And he's very, very good. You must hold up the inerrant, trustworthy value and authority of the Word of God. The faithfulness that Jesus perfectly lived began with 
utterly trusting the words of his father. And he held to them completely all the days of his life. Listen, it can, I'm going to say this as clearly and simple as I know how to say it. You cannot be a faithful Christian if you do not hold to the word of God. You cannot be. Because you, you are not following the example of your, your Savior and your Lord. John the Baptist said of Jesus, For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. You see, faithfulness is a distinctly Christian virtue because it begins and it ends with holding fast to the words of God by the power of the Spirit. That is not something that an unbeliever can do. And from that foundation, it displays itself in utter trustworthy, utter reliability to other people. Jesus said this, I glorified you on earth. This is just hours before he was crucified. He says, I've glorified you on, on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. That's faithfulness. So now I've, I've given two twin, deeper theological meanings of faithfulness. It is holding to all the words of God, and it's displaying the works of God in kindness. And after declaring his faithfulness to his father in that same prayer, he said, While I was with them, Father, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except a son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. I am so glad that my confidence in the ongoing nature of my salvation rests on God's ability to hold me, not on my ability to hold him. I would have wandered away years ago. And Jesus said, I am faithful over all of God's house, and I have kept them in your name. See, Jesus is faithful to God the Father, God his Father, and he proves his total reliability, total trustworthiness to all who will place their trust and their hope in him. So what's it look like when we display faithfulness, and this is really where the rubber meets the road, so point number three, how, how we can live out faithfulness. Faithful friends, spouses, children, parents, listen, they should be treasured most dearly for many, many reasons. I'm going to give you a few of them. The first one is this, faithful Christians are utterly dependable. Now, you remember when I took a little bit of a time out a few minutes ago and I asked you to self-critique, self-evaluate? Well, here's your grid line for evaluation. Here's the metrics by which you want to say, am I faithful? And this will help you arrive at that answer. Are you utterly dependable? Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord, the psalmist asked. Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts. Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. This is of their friends. Those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord, and here we go, and keep their promises even when it hurts. Are you utterly dependable? Have you ever committed to something and then a better opportunity presented itself? 
And if you didn't take that better opportunity, you're going to, A, either lose a date, because maybe you committed to babysit on a Friday night, then all of a sudden a guy asked you out, or you heard that a girl wanted you to ask her out, and Friday's the dance. You already told the parents you'd babysit. Or B, have you ever committed to something and not taking the better option would lose money for you? You would forfeit sales. What did you do? Maybe you said you would do something and then it later dawned on you, I really don't want to do it. That's kind of the last thing I'd like to do. But you said you would. If you want faithfulness to bloom and grow like fruit on the branches of your life, then you stay with your word. You are dependent and you are, de- you are dependable and you demonstrate that to other people. Well, secondly, faithful Christians are utterly honest. Not only dependable, but if you want to be faithful then the Spirit of God is going to cultivate honesty in your life. Have you ever been in a situation where telling the truth would have been embarrassing or would have brought negative consequences to yourself, so you doctor the truth? You give a fictional, what seems tiny and harmless, white lie with your fingers crossed, and somehow you think that it's okay, that it slips below the level of what God really cares about It calls sin. Let's just be really clear. There is no such thing as a white lie. There is no such thing as a half-truth. A half-truth is a full lie. A white lie is the blackest of the kind because you're deceiving even twice as much in it. See, the smallest untruth is sin. And faithful Christians weed them out and they commit to the truth, the whole truth, and nothing But the truth, why do you think they built the oath that you take on a judge's stand or coming into a court position, a position of authority, presidents used to have to do this, why do you think they worded it like this? The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, because it's really easy to tell part of the truth that puts you in a good light, somebody else in a bad light, gets you out of trouble, shifts it to somebody else. It's really not that hard to do that. It has no place in the Christian And that is not what faithfulness looks like. One of my daughter's favorite biblical saints is Daniel. She loves that book. It's a very good book. Really encourage you to read the life of Daniel and the book of Daniel. Daniel was accused of breaking the king's command. People were hating him. The edict of the king said you can only worship one God, his God. And Daniel wouldn't worship that God. He worshiped the Lord God, Yahweh, Jehovah, Yahweh, Elohim. So he was up in his room, and the window was open, and he's praying, and he's reading the words of God. And his, the people that were trying to set him up heard him praying, went and reported to the king. The king brings Daniel, whom he loved, before him and said, Daniel, were you doing this? Now, how many of us, knowing that the, that the consequence was death, how many of you would have said, yes, I was worshiping my God? Daniel was faithful. 
Daniel was reliable. He was utterly honest. He was utterly dependable to the Lord's use. And he said, I certainly, most certainly was. And the king threw him into a den of hungry lions, and the Lord preserved his life. But the Lord doesn't always preserve his saints' life, lives. There are times when they are martyred because they held to the truth. And it moves us to the third way of self-evaluating. Faithful Christians are utterly loyal in friendship. Can I correct something? It's a phrase that is in vogue that makes absolutely no sense. And the phrase is a fair-weather friend. There is no such thing as a fair-weather friend. Anyone who would only love you at certain times is not at all a friend. In fact, the Bible says, Proverbs 17, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. But this is not blind loyalty that refuses to confront and address the mistakes of a friend. For Proverbs 27 brackets that. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. So if you really want to be utterly faithful in your friendship, sometimes you say the truth, even when it's going to hurt your friend. If you don't say it because you're worried about the consequences, you're worried that they might be upset with you, you're worried about hurting that person, you're not faithful. Faithfulness is displayed always and chiefly holding to the words of God and faithfully displaying them in word and deed to others. But faithfulness always has the greatest good of a friend as their highest priority. Faithfulness, number four, Christians, uh, faithful Christians are utterly committed to serve God. You know, Mother Teresa once answered Senator Mark Hatfield's question as to how she could bear the load of the sick and the dying without being crushed under it. And her beautiful response was this, my dear senator, I'm quoting her, I am not called to be successful, I am called to be faithful. Well, do you understand that, Christian? That's your call, that's my call. It's not to be successful in life. It's not to keep going up the world's corporate ladder. In fact, if you really want to see the ladder in the scriptures, it goes downward into humility, not upward into self-exaltation. But faithful Christians are utterly committed to serve God. It's 1 Corinthians 4, 2. Moreover, it is required of servants or stewards, those who manage for their master, that they be found faithful. The Lord is speaking that to you and speaking that to me. Are we being found faithful? It's not success that we're encouraged to seek. It's faithfulness. Listen, evaluate your career. Not on money, not on promotion, not on success. Evaluate it on faithfulness. Because that's the one that the Lord's looking at. And that's the one he'll reward when you're in your eternal glory. Finally, faithful Christians will be utterly blessed. Faithful Christians will be utterly blessed. Proverbs 28, 20. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Well, you've probably been reading about the funeral of Billy Graham and maybe even heard some of the 
eulogies of his family, some of the things that have been written about him, even by liberal news lines are writing incredible things about Billy Graham. He once shared, by the way, a, a story about a friend who was looking for a place to retire where he could have a woodworking shop. His friend wanted a woodworking shop, so he's looking around the country for a place to retire where he'd have access to wood, trees, timber. And Graham visited him at his shop, and he asked him his favorite wood to work with. And his friend told him his favorite was the kind of tree that grew along the ridgetops of the Appalachian Mountains. And his friend explained to Pastor Graham that it was because of the harsh climate, and the fierce wind, the storms. It caused those trees to grow very slowly, and it created a wood that was tough, close-grained. And it was harder to carve, it was harder to work with, but anything made from it was incredibly durable and always beautiful. So Billy asked, well, could you show me a piece of the rough-cut wood? And I want you to hear the response of his friend. He said, Pastor Graham, I don't have any. Because I never cut those old trees down. I wait until one falls. And then I bring it home to make it into something beautiful. Now, Christian, I want you to hear this because this might be the most important thing I'm going to tell you. It's certainly, I think, the most encouraging. When you fall... And death comes for you. And your Lord and Savior brings you into eternity. If you've been found faithful. And you hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. If you've put your faith in Jesus. And you have bent your knee to him. You have trusted him and him alone for your salvation. Not Jesus plus your works. Not Jesus plus your family pedigree. Not Jesus plus all the things that the church said about you. You trust Jesus and he alone. His death, his burial, and his resurrection. That He is the substitute. He took your sins and gave you his righteousness the very moment you put your faith in him. If you have trusted in Jesus, and when you fall, and when you're brought into eternal glory, your Father will remake you into something that it will be endurable for eternity, and it will be gloriously beautiful. That's what faithfulness is. See, faithfulness has a future reward. And when you are clinging to God and to your faith by your fingertips, you've got to reverse your theology and understand that God is holding you fast with his righteous right hand. And he knows how to bring you home. And he knows how to cultivate faithfulness in you so that you are utterly dependable. That you are utterly reliable and honest. And you are an utterly faithful friend. And you are an utterly faithful servant of the Lord. Your reward is coming. So be faithful. How? You walk by the Spirit, you surrender to Him, you let Him lead you, you trust in Him, you stay in His Word, you let it stay in you. And He will give you the power to overcome faithlessness 
and hold you fast to his word so that you display it in works of kindness. Amen? Let's pray for help.